So today does look a little bit different. Uh, probably looks a whole lot better than most Sundays. Come on, somebody, if you know what I mean. Uh, but I'm so glad to have Kimberly join me. We're, we're concluding a six-week series. Today is the sixth Sunday on a conversation that we've had about family. We've called it Family Matters. And the purpose of this whole series has been this. Because your family matters to you and because your family matters to God, we believe it's the primary objective of the enemy to always make sure that something's the matter with your family. That there's always something going on. And many of you can testify to that. It's like when it rains, it pours. There's always challenges and difficulties and struggles. And you try to move forward and then there's a roadblock and a hindrance. And so what we've done is we've gone to the Bible because that is our final authority. And we've looked at Scripture, God's Word, to help us lay out the structure of the family. Like, hey, how should family be done? We know that society tells us to do family a certain way. We know that culture tells us to do family a certain way. You've even experienced family in your upbringing to be done a certain way. But most importantly, what does God say on this topic of family? So we looked at the teaching of Paul. Uh, throughout the writings of Paul, he penned some words about the family, specifically in Ephesians. And to summarize all, of that, all, all that he talked about the family, here's kind of the synopsis. He said this, he said, husbands... I'm calling you to love your wives. And he, again, is reiterating the teachings of Jesus. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Not, not because they're the man of the house, but because they're the godly man of the house. They should be the godly man of the house. Children, obey your parents. You know, if there's any day, kids, that you should obey your parents, is today. Come on, somebody help me out real quick on Mother's Day. And then, and then finally he says, and dads, don't irritate your children. Don't be so annoying to your kids. And I think many of you families know that dads have this unique way of just kind of pressing the right buttons. And I think it's so interesting that all these thousands of years ago, they would write these words and it would still stand so true today. Now, here's what happens. You look at this family structure according to Scripture, and then you lay your family's reality on top of this, and you're like, we don't look like this. Because this is very ideal Whereas your family and our family is very real. Come on, somebody. And so when we lay our family's reality and challenges and conflict over top of the way that God says family should look, we're introduced to a gap. And we've been talking about this gap in every weekend of this series. We've talked about how we know where we should be headed, but then we recognize where we really are. And the distance between those two is a gap. And inside of that gap is all kinds of junk. There's pressure, there's tension, there's conflict, there's marital problems, there's bitterness, there's resentment, there's uh, marital affairs, there's substance abuse, there's parenting struggles, inability to communicate well, and the enemy breeds off of all of those things to push the family further and further apart. Why? Because he knows, just as Scripture said, that a family divided against itself or a house divided against itself would not stand. And so the enemy wants to push you further and further apart because he knows that if you come together in unity, there's something powerful about unity, and if you come together in unity and you come into alignment with the assignment for your family, he's in big trouble. So he's doing everything he can to push your family further apart. Again, you look at the way God calls us to lead our family, you put your family's reality on top of it, you see the gap. And if we were to stop there, we could all feel really discouraged. But we're not stopping there. We've had a driving thought throughout the whole series, and this has been that thought. We may not be where we want to be, but we will not settle for less than what we should be. Anybody agree to that truth? Come on, right? And I've done this so many weeks uh, in this series, but I'm going to count to three. I want us to read this aloud once again, not because I need to hear you say it, but I believe you need to hear you say it. Because many of you, you're going through some stuff today in your family. And you think you've got to settle. You think that this is always the way it's going to be. But I'm telling you, the God that we serve is a God of more. Yes. He's got promise. He's got a plan. He's got provision in store for you. You do not have to settle. Let's say this together on three. One, two, three. We may not be where we want to be, but we will not settle for less than what we should be. Come on, by a round of applause, speak that over your household. Awesome. We've gotten so many remarks about this series, haven't yes, we? I mean, yes. we've gotten emails and phone calls yes. and all of that. From both locations. Yeah, both locations, right here uh, in South Metro Atlanta and then at Go Church. And uh, we've enjoyed trying to read through those and filter through those and pray over those. 
Um, I got a couple of emails that really stood out to me. One of them said, thank you so much for the series. And then in parentheses it said, uh, because my husband is really annoying my son. I thought that was pretty good. Come on. I just thought it was real. But another email came in about a family that had taken a family vacation to London some years ago. And while on this trip and the experience of that beautiful area and city, they decided to take a, a trip on the train. Now, you've probably been on a train at some point in your life, or you've seen a train, whether it's a, a subway or the metro or the choo-choo train. Come on now, right? You know, you know about a train. And in London, when you are approaching to step on the train, the announcer will come over the loud intercom and repeatedly say these three words. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. It's even painted on the floor of the platform because watch this. Because when you know that whenever you're stepping from where you are to where you need to be, there's going to be a gap. Now, the principle of this is is that in this gap between the platform and the train is a danger zone. Mm -hmm. And you can only imagine what would happen if your foot were to get caught in that gap. Or if a small child were in some uh, circumstances even fall into the gap. Yeah. Now you, you've read the news or seen the news about even New York City and their subway. Where some people fall into that gap. And the outcome is not good. And so the announcer says, mind the gap. Mind the gap. And here's what I believe in my heart. And then I'm going to turn this over to Kimberly. I believe with all of my heart that the enemy is trying to create a gap trap in your household. He doesn't want you to be alert and of sober mind. He doesn't want you to recognize that he is the enemy that roars, you know, prowls around like a roaring lion. He wants to create a gap hoping that your family falls into the gap trap so that ultimately you divide. You split up and you divorce. And so in this series, we've tried to say to you the best way that we know how, mind the gap. Mind the gap. In America, we would say it like this, watch your step. Be careful where you walk and be aware of everything that's going on. So, Kimberly, let me, let me give, give you a chance to jump in here because uh, we've tried to be really intentional about minding the gap in the worldly household uh, because our family is no different. The enemy's after our family, too. He certainly doesn't want you and I to walk in our fulfillment and our purpose. How are some of the ways that we've been careful to mind the gap? Not to let that gap get out of hand, but to keep us close together as a family, as husband, wife, and then as our children have, you know, been introduced into our family structure as well. Well, isn't that powerful? Such a powerful illustration to think about that you have to take notice of the gap and you can step over it. You can make your way and close that gap even closer. And I think that just like you said, the enemy is after our families not just here, but all around the world, for us, for you all. He's attacking our families and working overtime to do it, especially Christian homes and Christian families. So we do have to be mindful of the gap. We have a gap in our family just like you all do. We know the areas that we need to work on and where we need to to be better as a family. And so there's a few ways that we try to be mindful of the gap, and I just want to share two of them with you this morning. The first one is this, that we know our mission as a family. And you've said this already in this series, but God has put you in your family on purpose, for a purpose. Yeah, come on. He has created us as individuals for a purpose and for a plan, but he has also created our families for a purpose and plan. And he has put us with specific people at a specific time to accomplish a specific plan. And that's so important that we know what our purpose is. And we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. But the second way that we try to mind the gap is that we have core values that we live by. And these are our non-negotiables. These are our standards that our children know yeah, we are going to live this way in our home. And it's, it's the way that we want them to grow up. It's the rules and the values that we want them to have as they grow up and as they have families of their own. And we think that we have to model for our children these values. We can't just teach it to them, but it really has to be caught by them and not just taught so them. That is so good. Now, here's what you need to know. Kimberly and I, uh, we don't think that we're experts on family. Uh, we don't think that we've got it all figured out. You know, just like you and your household, we are a work in progress. Uh, but the truth is this, is that for the most part, we like where we are as a family. We like where we are as a married couple. We like where we are with raising our children. And even when we identify the gap that is there and the attack of the enemy to push us further apart, we like where we're headed. 
We like that we're aware of the spiritual warfare. Come on, help me out. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So we like, we like, we like where we are and we like where we're headed. We believe that our best days are in front of us. So, so with that in mind, we're not perfect. We're not suggesting to you that this is the only way to do family. What we hope that you see is that we're just a real-life couple. We're a real-life household that's doing our very best to live and structure our home through God's ideal, the way that he says. And like she, she said, I'll reiterate, we got good days and we got tough days. But hopefully today can encourage you that no matter what season you're in with your family, that you can create a family mission statement, that you can create some values, and, uh, and that you can move forward with the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. I want, to show you, I want to show you a picture of my family for a minute uh, for a number of reasons. One, they're just absolutely beautiful, and they get all of their beauty from their mama. Come on now, help me out. Uh, every man, every married man in this room, let's be honest, you know you married up. Come on, be honest. And, and if you've ever questioned one day about God's favor, all you got to do is look at your wife and be like, Okay, he's faithful. Yeah, waymaker. It's Mother's Day. <laughs> some, some of you men, you look at your wife and you're like, miracle worker. Because you know, <laughs> you know, come on. It's our family. And we're, we're in a very uh, unique and special season in our household because in October, Kimberly and I will be married 14 years. Come on, isn't that great? 14 years. I know, it's wild. And, and almost every day I wake up and I think, man, we've been together almost 14 years married you were just really blessed, you know. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're so blessed, you know. I just I wake am. up. And, no, but I think, man, it's, it's just gone by so fast. And then, and then oftentimes I think, and I know mom and dad have thought, what were we thinking when we were so young? Kimberly was only 19 when we got married, you know. But God has been so good to us. And now we have an 8-year-old son, Lakeland, and we got a 3-year-old daughter named London. And they are the joy of our lives. And I tell you all of that because not all of you are in that same season, uh, some, some, of you, some of you may not have little children at home. You know, some of them are grown and gone. Or maybe you're in, you know, a grandparenting phase of your life. Whatever, this is the point I'm trying to make. Whatever season of life you find yourself in, you should always know the mission of your family. Because even though seasons change, there's still purpose. Yeah, right. even, even though life changes, there, there's, still, there's still purpose. There's still destiny. And so we're encouraging you to live out that mission, knowing that purpose. Let me say it like this. Uh, you've got to know the purpose of your family. That's your mission. And then protect the integrity of that mission by creating core values. Know the purpose and then protect the purpose by creating core values. So, Kimberly, I want you to jump back in because we've, we've got a mission statement as a family. Uh, this is something yes. that we say every night before we go to bed, when we drop Lake off at school, you know, uh, even down, even when we walk through the house, you know, we'll say, what's the mission statement of the Worley House, you know, and you'll say it out loud, the kids will say it out loud. Share with everybody why we believe that we exist, especially in this season that we're in as a household. Well, I'm excited to share our mission statement with you, and you'll see it up on the screen, but this is the Worley family mission statement. It's simply this, to love Jesus and each other. More than football and fairy tales. Come on now. I love it. That's it. It's that simple. You guys wanted something a little deeper than that, didn't you? <laughs> they were waiting for like some deep revelation from God. Yes. Yep. Well, that's it. And it's so simple. And let me just explain that a mission statement for your family is no good if nobody in the family understands it. And for us, we have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old, and they understand this. And this fits for our family. And, you know, maybe you even have teenagers in your home, or maybe you even have an unbeliever in your home. And if you decide to come up with a mission statement for your family, but it's too difficult for an unbeliever or it's too difficult for your kids to understand, it's not going to be impactful. They're not going to remember it to repeat it, and they're not going to be able to live by it. So for our kids, man, we have Lakeland, who's eight years old, and football is his life. It is his life. He, last night, this is no joke, and I wish I had taken a picture of it, but he came downstairs to dinner in full football gear, head to toe, helmet, shoulder pads, all the jersey, the pants, everything. He was like, look, guys, and I didn't even tell him to take the helmet off because I really wanted to see how he was going to eat dinner like that, but he <laughs> took it off anyways. <laughs> but he, I wish I had taken a picture for you. He loves football. His bedroom is decorated in football. He sleeps not with a teddy bear, with a football, and sometimes four or five different footballs. He loves football, so he gets his passion for football. And then we have our London, who is 
quite the opposite, and it is all about fairy tales. Yeah, she doesn't want anything to do with outsider dirt or yeah, bugs. Yeah, bugs. No, no, no. Don't none throw of that. a football. Nothing no. like that. She's she's going outside if there's something Disney or something princesses out there. She loves princesses. She loves the songs. She loves the movies. You know way too many songs from Disney movies, but he has to know them. That's we, a great. We dad. dream about these songs yes. in our mind. At yes, night. and at night she sleeps. She has these like tiny princess dolls, probably about 20 of them that she has to have in her bed. That is her passion right now. That is what she loves. They understand their love of football and fairy tales. But for us, all we want is for them to love Jesus and each other more than that. We just want them to love him so, so much, you know? And and when you look at it, maybe it doesn't seem so deep, but it is deeper than you think. Because think back to the moment where you fell in love with Jesus. And when you fall in love with Jesus, you want to serve him. You want to live for him. You want to give. You want to serve at your church. You want to serve others that are in need. And hopefully for our kids, they will never be ashamed to talk about Jesus. And everything that they do for him will flow out of that love for him. So this is important to us in this season of our life. You know, one thing that, that we all can agree on is that life happens fast, doesn't it? I mean, life just happens so fast. And, and not only does life happen fast, but life has a unique way of throwing curveballs at us too. There's the unexpected challenges that come, you know, just, just by being alive and the difficulties of that. And so the truth is, is that you may not be in that season where your mission statement is about, you know, loving Jesus and others more than football and fairy tales. Maybe you don't have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old, but you've got teenagers in your house. So your mission statement would be, we love Jesus and each other more than we love Amazon and Apple products. Come on now. You know, like, you, what I'm saying is that you have to adapt your mission statement to the season that you're in so that you stay on purpose, so that you stay on course with what God's calling you to do. You know, maybe, maybe you're not married yet, and so you're embracing the season of singlehood. That's important. God grows us in that season. But you can't wait to have a family one day so that you can establish a mission and core values. Maybe your children are out of the house, like I said earlier. And so, again, this mission may need to adapt to whatever season of life that you find yourself in. Maybe you are the greatest category of people in the room, and that's the grandparents. Where are you at, grandparents? Wave at me real quick. Come on now. Now, watch this. Now, this, if you're a grandparent, this is your mission statement. I want you to see it here because this is really what you do. You spoil them. You fill them with sugar. You give them caffeine at midnight. Come on, somebody. You let them jump on the couch, off the couch. One day I came in, and Lakeland was at Papa and Mia's house, and he was jumping on a coffee table. Help us, Jesus, you know? Right? Give them, you give them two popsicles and call it vitamins, and then you do what? You send them home. Come on now. Man. When Lake and London spend the night with me and Papa, we have to put them on a detox program when they come home of discipline to get them back in line. Once again, whatever season that you find your family in, you may need to adapt in that season with the mission. But never forget, whether your kids are small or they're grown, whether you're waiting or whatever that looks like, God has a plan for your family. God has a purpose for your household. And the Bible talks about that. David wrote in the 33rd Psalm, verse number 11, he said this, but the plans, do you see that? But the plans of the Lord, they stand firm for how long? Forever. Forever. And the purposes of this, watch, of his heart go throughout all generations. All generations. God's got a plan. And we say this over and over. We, We know you're in your family on purpose and for purpose. Find out that mission. Because again, when you come into alignment with your assignment, it changes, it changes your whole perspective about living. Come on, do you agree with that? Give me a good amen right there. All right. Now, I said this a moment ago, but what's important is not just to have the mission statement, but then to protect the integrity of that mission by creating core values. And these core values are the fundamental beliefs of your household. These core values are the guiding principle of your home. They're, they're the standards that help you understand the difference between what's right and what's wrong. And in my, my opinion, these core values serve as boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. 
And when, you, when you've got the mission, but when you create core values, the boundaries help keep out what needs to stay out. Yeah, that's good. Come on, help me out for a minute. And then they help keep in what needs to stay in. And so they're the boundaries. And when you create these boundaries, when you create these guidelines, when you have these fundamental beliefs in your household, when you have these core values, I believe that the mission and the core values along with Jesus, those are the things that helps to keep that gap closer and closer together. Well, we want to share with you some of our core values today. We have a long list of them that we try to live by in our home, but we're just going to share a few with you this morning. And one thing we want you to think about as we're talking is this. We are not a perfect family. We are most definitely not a perfect family. Some days we meet these core values. Other days we don't meet any of them. And it's a bad day. And we have to work harder the next day. But this is just where we strive to be as a family. This is just our goal every single day to meet these values, to live by these values, and to show others Jesus through these values. So the first one we'll give you this morning is, is generosity. In our home, we value generosity. And you know, when you say generosity, the first thing that probably comes to your mind is money. And yeah, we are to be generous with our money. That is biblical. That's an amazing way to be generous, but it's not the only way to be generous. And I want to give you the definition of generosity. It's simply this, the quality of being kind and generous. I love that. Kind. I love that part in the definition because don't we all know this world could use more kindness in the day that we're living in. And so it's so important for us to teach our kids, be kind and be generous. And this is how we apply this in our home. We just simply put the needs of others before our own. We put the needs of, our, of each other in our household before our own and then the needs of other people around us. Because, you know, it's normal these days to be selfish. Self-centeredness is normal and it's okay and it's acceptable in our society. And we have to fight that by teaching our kids what someone else needs is more important than what we want or what we need. And it's so important for us to do this. And we've done this in multiple ways. One example I'll give you is just the pay it forward method. You've probably heard of that. Take your kids through a drive-through and say, guys, we are about to surprise the family behind this. They don't even know it's coming, but we're gonna pay for their food and we're gonna drive off and be real sneaky. They'll never even able, be able to say thank you to us, but they're gonna be so surprised today. Your kids will be so excited to do that. Your kids will be excited to give. There's something already inside of them that God has placed to want to give and to want to help others. And then the kind part of the definition, which I said I love so much, we just try to teach Lakeland to be kind to his friends at school. And if he sees someone sitting alone at lunch or playing on the playground by himself, we want him to be the kid that stops playing with the group, goes to his friend or goes to this new kid that, that doesn't have anybody and be the one that is there for him. And that and bring him back to the group. Help him to make friends. And we think that it's so important because that kid, yeah, go ahead. It's important for kids to be kind. But, you know, that, that child playing alone on the playground, he doesn't need you to hand him a $5 bill. He just needs a friend. And so that's important for us. And then for London, she's three. We just need to teach her how to share right now. Good Lord. <laughs> Just share your toys. Just share, just share the crackers with your brother, please. We're working on that, and we're getting over that hill. We came through two, so we're surviving. But just teaching her how to share teaches her how to be generous. And then we are generous with our finances. It's important for our kids to know that you need to take an offering to church with you because we're giving to God, and we believe in this ministry, so we're going to tithe to this ministry. Our Lakeland, he has several piggy banks in his room, and he has a savings one. He has a spending one, but he has a tithe. When he gets his allowance, we tithe to Jesus. That's so important. And then one last thing I'll share with you is that uh, Pastor JC got to travel to Belize a few months ago, which was really an awesome opportunity for him. And he was able to see uh, the villages there and some of the people that live there and the terrible living conditions that some of them are in. And, and in one village he went in, over 90% of the children there had pink eye and there was no medication. They just had to let it run its course. And it was horrible. Some of the pictures that I saw when he returned and it really just pulled at our heart. So when he got back, we decided we're going to sponsor a child in one of those villages in Belize and we're going to do it every month. And we, we actually chose an eight-year-old boy who's a pastor's son so that my son could relate to him. They write letters to each other, draw pictures. He's part of our family now. We're part of his. And it is something that I hope Lakeland and London never forget that we are blessed 
and we should be giving. So that's important for us. Show them the scripture real quick. Okay, let's look at, uh, really fast, we'll look at Luke 6. It'll be up on the screen for you. It says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And listen to this part. That's good. Give and it shall be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure of generosity that you use, it will be given to you. How powerful is that? So good. We get to be generous. That's awesome. Isn't that good? Come on, that's so great. All right, the, the next core value that we'll talk about is the value of respect. Everybody say respect. respect. Now, this, this is a big one in our house. Yes. It's a huge one in our house. We're, we are going to learn to respect each other within the household, and then we're going to learn to respect those that live outside of our house as well. I think it was the great uh, prophetess Aretha Franklin. Come on now. <laughs> that said, all I'm asking is for a little R-E-S-P-E-C-T now. And I think our country and our culture needs more of that. We need more respect. And so we're going we're gonna to model that. And this is how we apply the value, the core value of respect in our house, is we practice the golden rule. If you grew up in church or you've read the Bible, uh, you, you've learned about the golden rule uh, from, from infancy in, in your upbringing as well. If, you're, if you've never heard about the golden rule, uh, even if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, the golden rule is a great principle to live by. It comes out of Luke chapter 6, 1 verse, verse 31, and it says, do to others as you would have them do to you. And that's what we, that's what we try to teach with our children. Watch, and I won't spend a lot of time here because we've got a few more core values to get through. But I want you to know this. In our household, we teach our children to say yes, ma'am, yes. and no, sir. Because we think that's important. Yes, it is. Now, some of you might think, well, that's old school. Well, then I'm old school. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in a household where if I didn't say yes, ma'am, and no, sir, like I got the switch. <laughs> Y'all don't know what the switch is? Were you, how many of you remember you had to pick your own switch? That's what I'm talking about. And you tried to get the smallest switch. You came back, and then mom would be like, get a bigger switch, you know. You know, I, I, even, even yesterday, uh, we had a chance to go out to eat, and uh, we, we kind of came in the restaurant first, and there was a family following us, and I turned to Lake and I said, hold the door for them. Hold the door for them. It's respect. Yeah. I tell them all the time, when an adult is talking to you, even London, that's three, look them in the eye. Yeah, that's right. When they go to shake your hand, give them a handshake. If they're trying to hug you, hug them. And it's in, we try to do that. Now, they're children, and they don't have all of their, you know, days are perfect, but we're teaching them the value of respect. Watch this. We talk about the sin of racism in our house. It's not allowed in our household. Yeah. We respect people no matter what part of the world they come from. And we, we say this a lot. In our house, in the Worley house, we embrace race. We embrace diversity, and we respect people, and we appreciate the diversity of people because we were all created in the image of God. When we're out in public, if we see, yeah, if we see a, a, a police officer in uniform that we can recognize them or a military person in uniform, I get up from the table with my children. We walk over to them, and we thank them for serving our country and for serving our community because we're teaching them the value of respect. And we don't have... I'm about to preach now. I'm about to get up from this stool. I'm about to preach. But we, do, we live in a culture that does not respect authority anymore. You're not the boss of me. You don't have to tell me what to do. And some, one preacher said it like this one time. The spirit of slap going to come all over somebody. Help me out. That's a good preacher, by the way, wasn't it? Come on. Still is. And then there's another layer to this, and it's, it's that we value self-respect. I want them to respect others, but I want them to have some self-respect. And, and I, don't, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but in the Worley household, we, we speak out and speak up and stand up for what we believe is right. Right? We don't let people walk all over us because of our beliefs or put us down. Our, our value and our worth does not come from the acceptance of people. Our value and our worth comes from the acceptance of God Almighty. And because of that confidence and our understanding of not just who we are, but whose we are, we can have a self-respect for ourselves. We, we, can, we can applaud and appreciate the way that God made us uniquely. And we can respect ourselves simultaneously with while we respect other people. So we value respect so much in the worldly household. So true. Respect is so important. And another one I'll give to you is that we value accountability. Yeah. It's so important for us to hold each other accountable in our families. And the way that we apply this is we just challenge each other to give God our very 
best. The best. Whether you win or whether you lose, Come on. give God your best. Whether you fail, whether you succeed, give God your best and he will work with what you gave him. And that's so important for us to create that culture of accountability in our home. And let me say this, it's never too early and it's never too late to create that in your home, I to start that. holding each other accountable for what's right and what's wrong. And you've used this verse already in this series, but I want to talk about it again. It's James 5, 16, and it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. So your family might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And if there is unconfessed sin in our homes, or if we can't admit when we're wrong and not say, I'm sorry, and not say, I'm sorry, the gap in your family is just going to go wider and wider. Frustration will grow, hurt will grow, pain will grow. Sometimes all our family needs to hear you say is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Parents, if they heard you fight, they need to hear you apologize to each other. They do. It's important. They need to be held accountable to apologize to their sibling when they are wrong or to apologize to you when they disrespect you. We have sent Lakeland before to apologize to another adult that we saw him not respect. And although it's humiliating in the moment, it taught him we will respect and we will be held accountable for those that are above us. And so uh, we also, we don't look at accountability as a time for punishment uh, because yeah, you think about accountability. Yes, there are going to be consequences. Yes, you will be disciplined, but it's really a time for partnership because holding each other accountable in the home, in the family could save you a lot of humiliation from someone else that you don't even know publicly calling you out or confronting you on something when someone in your home could have privately said to you, hey, you don't need to do that. Or you're saying the wrong thing here. You're hurting somebody. Somebody privately calling you out could save you a lot of pain. So it's important for us to hold each other accountable. One of the lines that we say so often in our household, there's a couple here, but one is we give our best and God will take care of the rest. And we hold each other accountable to that. So when Lake cleans his room, he's like, what do you think? Did you give your best? You know, when he plays baseball, did you do what? Did you give your best? When you pick them up from school, do you give your best today? We're holding each other accountable. And then they do this, they do the same for me. You know, uh, Kimberly does the same for me. We got we got this rule in our house about no, no, uh, no cell phones at the table, and they hold us accountable to that. You know, uh, to say, okay, put the phone down, let's focus in on what's important. Accountability is saying we're gonna make sure that the family is giving their very best. Is that good? Great. All right, let me give you a couple more. Uh, We're running out of time here, but these last two are just so critical. And then I want to show you something at the end. The next core value that we have is that we value courage. Courage. And this is how, this is how we apply this value in our household is that we do not allow fear to override our faith. Uh, I I want as the, the spiritual leader of our household, I want our family to always walk by faith and not by sight. I don't want my children to grow up with fear. I don't want my wife to have fear. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking about normal tendencies of fear. Those, those are there, but I'm talking about unhealthy fear right. where it grips you to the point of not being able to do something that God is calling you to do. Does that make sense? Uh, I don't want them to have any kind of fears. I'm, I, I'm a protector by nature. Most men are. But I don't want them to, to live in that place of fear all the time. And then they're held in bondage to the spirit of fear. You know, whom the sun set free is free indeed. And I want our family to walk in confidence and in courage. And I think, in my opinion, the greatest sermon that we'll ever preach, the greatest message that we'll ever share will not come from a pulpit. It will not come from a platform. It will not come from, from, any, from any conference or event that we do. The greatest sermon or the greatest message that we, le- we ever preach will come from the life of faith and courage that she and I live. That we live out the courage that God has put on the inside of us. And I don't think there's a better you know, story to tell about that or a greater display of our courage then when five years ago, almost five years ago, when we were serving here as a student ministry pastors, God called us to move 700 miles north to begin to establish the ministry of Go Church. There was a lot of fear. We loaded up a 27-foot U-Haul with everything that we owned. 26-foot of that 27-foot U-Haul was Kimberly's stuff. Come on now. <laughs> Help me out for a minute. Shoes on shoes. <laughs> Telling you. We, moved, we relocated our whole family, didn't have a real consistent source of income, didn't even really have a, a, a place to live, but we were trusting by faith because God said to go. Then only four and a half years later for God to say, oh yeah, by the way, now go back home. 
Now, that didn't make a lot of sense in the moment. And it would have been easy to let fear creep in and keep us from being in the perfect will of God. And David, David talked about this. He, he wrote to his son Solomon and he said this. He said, be strong. Be strong and be courageous and do the work. And then he said this. He said, and don't be afraid or discouraged. And I think there's a lot of families here today, a lot of families watching online. You live in discouragement. When God wants you to live in a place of courage, he says, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you. He will not fail you. Hey, let me just tie this back in real quick to the uh, Worley family mission statement. Football teams will fail you. It's good. It's good. They will. And you'll put your confidence in that and it'll ruin your day. My God has never failed me. Not one time. Never. He's never let me down. He, he, will, he will not forsake you. As much as we love fairy tales and princesses, baby, they aren't real. But there is a real God who will never turn his back on us. He will be there. The Bible says that he's just as close as the very mention of his name. And I know some of you, because of your family's upbringing, mom walked out on you, dad walked out on you, spouse walked out on you. But I'm telling you, God will never fail you. And God will never forsake you. He'll never walk out on you. And because of that... You can have courage. Somebody shout courage. courage. You can have yes. courage. You can have courage. Yes, walk so good. in Come courage. On. That's so good. Give us so the last powerful. one here, and then I'll okay. show you all something. The final one is probably my favorite one that I'll give to you, and it is that we value entertainment. Yeah. And the way that we apply this is we just spend quality time together. Quality time together. Notice I said quality not quantity, because you could spend a whole weekend, say everybody's going to stay home, we're going to spend time together, but you're all in separate rooms, doing separate things, on your separate electronics, texting your mom from upstairs, texting your husband from another room. That is not quality time together. And it's so important for us to put those things down. Those are distractions. They're good. They're important. We need them. We have to have them, but they are distractions from our family when we're together. And so it's important for us to make time for each other. And you know what? You have to schedule it sometimes. It's not just going to happen. Oh, everybody will come home. We'll all just stay together and watch movies, spend time together. It doesn't just happen. You have to schedule it. And ladies, maybe this will help you out, but I put it on our calendar when we are going to schedule quality time together. And in all capital letters, beside whatever it is, I'll say, daddy, don't schedule anything. <laughs> Because this guy will overbook us and we'll miss our quality time together. We love you, though. Thank you. But, <laughs> but he has to have that gentle reminder of don't schedule anything. Once you put it on the schedule, it stays and it sticks and it's important. And we like to do some of the same things that you probably like to do. Because quality time can be easy. It can be cheap. It can be expensive if you want. But one thing we like to do is just watch Netflix. Everybody can do that or rent a red box. Put those electronics down. Get your popcorn and blankets out. Everybody watch the movie together. Or go, go outside and play. Our kids just love to play outside, and that is free, and it's easy, so we like to do it a lot. We do it every time the weather is good. We try to go outside and spend time playing together. And one of the most powerful moments of quality time that you can create with your family is just by praying together. That is one of my favorite times of our day is where we gather around my daughter's bed every single night. She picks who prays, and it's usually her brother, um, and he will say an awesome, awesome prayer over our family. But in that moment, that's where we find out what's hurting in each other. That's where we find out what's missing or what's wrong or what's going on. That moment, it's quality time with Jesus and with your family, and it's so, so important to do that. And then we also, we like to make sure we fill our house with laughter. Whatever you're doing, quality time or not, fill your home with laughter. Be silly. You guys, if we had a reality TV show, nobody would probably watch it because we're so silly sometimes. <laughs> or you might watch it and laugh, but it's important to be silly because your family, they will remember that. I have such amazing memories as a kid of laughing and my home being filled with laughter thanks to my parents. My dad, y'all, he's silly. He is so silly and we love it. I have memories of us playing Barbies and you know my sister and I would fall over laughing till we cried because he played with Barbies like any man 
would, I guess, very kind of violent, Liam Neeson style. You know, it was very well, let's funny. Well, let's tell the whole thing. He would rip the heads off <laughs> of the Barbies. Sometimes they would so be they decapitated. Say. Sometimes they'd fall off the mansion. But to us, nobody else played with Barbies like that. And that is a memory we'll never forget. Quality time. It's quality time. <laughs> so it's important to fill your home with laughter. The Bible says in Proverbs, a cheerful heart is good medicine. It's good medicine for all of your family. So never underestimate the power of laughter in your home and of quality time spent together. Come on, can you give Jesus the best round of applause? Let's stand here. I want to show you, I'll kind of take control of the TV here for a second and show you our core values as a recap. We value generosity. Can you say generosity? Generosity. We value respect. Can you say respect? Respect. Yep. We value accountability. Do you see where we're going? We value courage. Yes. And we value entertainment. Yes. The Bible says it like this, my grace is all you need. Money is not what you need. A bigger house, a fancier car, all of the things that you think will bring joy to your home. No, Jesus said it is my grace that is all you need. And, And then he goes on and he says, and by the way, My power works best in weakness. Here's here's what I'm trying to say, and I I feel so emotional because I know that I know there are families here that are really hurting. I know there are couples here that are really struggling. I know there's some of you that you've gone multiple Mother's Days without calling your mom. And I want to say something here, and I don't think it'll take the scripture out of context, but let me read it to you like this. My grace is all you need. My power works best inside of your gap. Yes. The stuff that the enemy is trying to use to pull you apart, he says, my grace is sufficient. Yes. I want you to see it like this. It is the grace of Jesus that bridges the gap. It's the grace of our Heavenly Father that fills the void and the emptiness. I don't know how you respond to life when you get tired, but I've been tired lately, probably a little more tired than I need to be. Um, Whenever I get really tired or exhausted, my, my fuse is just a little bit shorter than normal. I'm not proud of that. I know when the exhaustion comes on, but I think like, and this isn't justifying it, but we take a lot of our frustration out on the people that we love the most. So a few nights ago, I mean, I was just tired. I mean, it's been a a long couple of weeks and and I've said this to you, you can't preach a six week series on family and the enemy not attack yours. My little girl has had a fever for six weeks. And the other night, Lake was downstairs, and I was downstairs, and he said something sharp that I didn't like, so I responded back, and he responded back, and I was like, oh, no, you ain't going there, bro. And so I said something, and then remember when I talked about how, you know, what's the cause of all the quarreling and fighting? It's because one of you aren't getting your way, so as the dad, you know what I did? I went to my room. <laughs> I did. I grabbed my phone. I grabbed my cell I just went to the room. And I I plopped down on the bed. And you know what my first thought was? What's wrong with this family? (laughs) And man, just the conviction of God just came over my heart because I knew that I'd let my frustration get the best of me. He shouldn't have responded that way. And we had a conversation. But within minutes, my cell phone dinged with a text message. And it was Kimberly holding me accountable. And you know what she said? Can you give us a little grace? Can you give us some grace? 
And I think, I think the greatest Mother's Day gift that you could give today is the gift of grace. The person you came to church with, the person you're married to, the children you have, that crazy cousin, come on, help me out. They are not perfect. They are not. And I think just like the Bible tells us that we should forgive because we have been forgiven, we should express and share our grace because every day you wake up, it's because of His grace. It's because of His grace. Here's what I want to do. I want to turn this service over to Go Church. Your campus pastor, David Waldrop, is coming to the stage. you got your own service from here on out. For those of you in this room, I'd invite you to stand with me for a moment. I want you to stand. Uh, the team is going to come, and they're going to sing a chorus to a song. If you've got three more minutes, I'd invite you to stay with me. Once you're dismissed, when you leave, you're going to get a little bookmark-size card. On one side, it will say, Our Family's Core Values. On the other side, it will say our family's mission. Our challenge to you is in the next few days, in the next few weeks, don't, don't get too far removed from today because the emotion will kind of be removed as well. Sit down with your family. Create a mission statement. Sit down with your family. Create core values. It's never too early, and it's never too late to create that. And then they're going to sing this song, and I'm going to pray for you, and then you'll be dismissed. And this is the song that we chose for today. And it's strategic and on purpose. And the words say this, and it is our prayer for you and your household, no matter the season of life you're in, that Jesus would be the center of it all. That nothing else would matter. No one in this world would do. It's just about Jesus. If you feel comfortable, can you do this? Would you grab your family by the hand or put your arm together? Lincoln Arms there, come on. You came with family. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I came alone. You're not alone. We are the family of God. Maybe you'll take your hand and put it over your heart. And you'll let these words in this moment on this Mother's Day be the anthem of your house. That when times are good, it's because Jesus is at the center of it all. But when life happens and the gap starts to widen, you would close your eyes and you would lift your hands and you would sing that Jesus, Jesus at is at the center, center of it all. Come on, let's worship for a moment. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, He will always be, it's always been you. Come on, do you believe that today? You, that he is the center of it all. Yeah. I can't help but feel this morning that maybe there's a mom in the room and you've heard all of this today, but you're listening and you're thinking, man, all that's great, but I've blown it. My kids are grown. They don't believe or whatever the case may be. I've really messed up. Moms, we're our biggest critics, aren't we? We're the hardest on ourselves, but you know what? You got to offer yourself some grace today. You gotta forgive yourself for whatever you think you did wrong, whether they forgive you or not, whether they live for Jesus or not, forgive yourself and offer yourself some grace because moms, all we can focus on is what's possible in our own strength, but he is the one that can do the impossible. So give it to him today. Forgive yourself and offer yourself some grace. I love you more today, right here in this moment, than I've ever loved you in my lifetime. Thank you. you are you the too. greatest mother and the perfect wife. And thanks for putting up with me 
I am better because of you, Kimberly. And I, I pray that for all of you, this prayer, that the grace of Jesus Christ abound unto you now and forever, that you live with the understanding of grace, that your home is a home of peace and humility, that, oh God, you would restore the broken family, that you would reconcile the hurt heart, that you would bring healing and hope to a household today, that as we lift our hands and we lift our hearts to you, inviting you to be the center of it all, that you would come in and fix the issues in our house. Let us stop pointing fingers. Let us look at our own responsibility. But when we recognize and we notice the frailties of those in our families, when we see that they consistently lean towards doing wrong, may we not be taken advantage of or taken for granted. That's not what we're talking about. But may we offer grace, knowing that your grace is sufficient. Bless every household. Bless every marriage. Bless every son and every daughter. Have your hand upon the homes within our church and within our community. And when we come into alignment with the purpose and our destiny, no eye has seen and no ear has heard what you've got in store for every single one of us. I prophesy this in the name of Jesus. The next chapter in the book of life that's being written for you and your family will be the best chapter yet. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Come on one more time. Love on Jesus in the room. Hey, God bless you as you go. Make sure you stop by, get a family photo with your family. Grab that homework assignment. Write down your core values and your mission statement as a house. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday at South Metro Ministries. My